God acts in unrighteous ways. We will be going to Romans chapter 9, verses 14 through 19. Paul continues to promote God's selection of a few in Romans 9, 14 to 19, those who are known as a remnant whom God will select from among all his people. The Jewish believers in Rome must have been startled and disturbed because they had been taught that they were a privileged people who were God's firstborn son entitled to the inheritance of the birthright. Now Paul has uncovered from Scripture God's selection that does not include these Jews in Rome who were teaching a false doctrine that circumcision and knowledge of the law was essential to participate in God's covenant community. You may be startled to learn that the same situation exists today among Christian believers. Many are convinced that all believers in Christ will receive God's grace when Jesus, Yeshua, returns. Others who now understand the concept of the remnant expect to participate in that privileged group. Both understandings are woefully incorrect. The first is wrong because God will only select a remnant when Yeshua returns. The second is mistaken because thinking one will be included in the remnant is the sin of pride. God will make the decision, and we do not know what that will be. So our role today is simply to grow closer to God and glorify Him. Paul's presentation in Romans 9, 14 to 18 becomes essential for us to comprehend because it offers a correct understanding about what God is doing and why. Unfortunately, Paul presents another legal midrash which can be hard to understand because Paul's logic is not clear in sequential Western reasoning but complex and enigmatic Eastern thought that requires reflection and careful contemplation. I will do my best to make it easy to understand because without comprehending the midrash, many have fallen into the trap of misinterpreting or, at best, simply not comprehending. So, here we go. Paul begins with a startling premise that needs to be proven. He insists that God sometimes acts in unrighteous ways. What should we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. That's in Romans 9.14. In other words, God sometimes acts in unjust ways. Why are we so startled? Because God is a righteous God without sin or imperfection, what does it mean that God sometimes acts in unrighteous ways? What follows are two quotations from the Hebrew Scriptures separated by Paul's commentary and ending with a conclusion. I have been guided by Menachem Elon's clear description of the rules of legal midrash in his book HaTorah HaIvrit and have concluded that Paul was using the eighth canon of Rabbi Yishmael. This method of uncovering hidden meaning examines the relationship between a general rule in Scripture and a specific rule that both of them deal with a common subject, which in this case is God's infinite power and control of the universe. Therefore, Paul can use Exodus 33.19 and Exodus 9.16, because they both speak of God's infinite power. So how, how does Paul apply Rabbi Yishmael's eighth canon to his Midrash? The general statement of a law from Scripture is the generalization that applies to all the specific examples that might occur under it. Therefore, people in the ancient world of Judaism were startled when they found Scripture also including a specific statement that describes a particular 
instance already covered by the general law. Since Jews in the first century believed that God had embedded hidden or veiled meaning in Scripture, they perceived such an anomaly as intentionally placed there by God. They would ask, why was the specific statement made when the general statement covers all specific examples? According to the Eighth Canon, a matter that is included in a generalization and also specifically mentioned is meant to teach us something new about the general principle. So let us consider how Paul is using this method of Midrash. What is the common subject? God's infinite power and control of the universe is the common subject, which is expressed in Exodus 9.17, where God is inflicting life-threatening plagues on the Egyptians. The Lord said to Pharaoh, I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. God's power is infinite, and he exercises it in the way that he chooses, even though he's doing something positive for the evil Pharaoh. Now, what is the general rule? I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. That's in Exodus thirty-three nineteen, and that makes sense. I mean, God is completely powerful, and he's going to do what he wants to do, um, and, and what he gives is mercy and compassion. Now, what is the specific example? In Exodus nine sixteen, I raised you up, Pharaoh, to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. Well, if God is all-powerful in bestowing mercy and compassion, which we heard in the first verse, why does he need to give a specific example of exercising his power over the Pharaoh of Egypt? The specific example teaches us something new about the general principle about God's infinite power, which Paul explains in his conclusion. And here's the conclusion. So then, he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. That's Romans 9.18. We think of God as loving and holy and righteous without any negative attribute in anything he does, which would apply to his mercy and compassion. However, Paul has uncovered from the depth of Scripture that God can use his infinite power in ways that do not appear to be loving or holy or righteous if they further his vision of a future kingdom of God. He has mercy on whom he desires and he hardens whom he desires. So God raised up the unholy and contemptible Pharaoh of Egypt to demonstrate his power and so his name would be proclaimed throughout the earth. Paul will now take this conclusion from his Midrash that God exercised his power to raise up the unholy and evil Pharaoh of Egypt and will then apply this principle to the unholy Gentiles. Stop and think for a moment. Are you a Gentile believer in Christ? Unfortunately, many believers in Christ are prideful of God's choosing them, giving them his son Yeshua the Messiah, and offering them the power of the Holy Spirit. I think Paul wants us to be humble and to reflect on God's power and grace that opened his arms to welcome these unholy people into his family. With that, I will leave you to ponder on this Midrash, which is 
difficult for us to understand because the whole concept of Midrash has not something that has been taught in the past. But I firmly believe after many years of study that Paul is using Midrash, certainly in Romans 9 to 11 and in other portions of scripture as well.